0: This is day one for some people, (coughs) two for other people, three for other people. Let's see, sixty seven times three (laughs) hundred (laughs) and ninety five. I think for many of you, uh, like me, you have a to do list. If your to do list is anything like mine, um, you know, there are things on it and then you cross off something. I had a real um, sudden understanding about my to-do list a couple of years ago that was kind of overwhelmingly shocking for me one day. I really got that my to-do list was never going to be done. (laughs) Until I I was dead. (laughs) There's always going to be a to-do list. And at first, it was really sad for me. It seemed and was endless, and I would never get to a place where things were going to be fixed or taken care of fully. There would never be a time when I was going to feel done with that aspect. So it was really, it was kind of sad. It was kind of, was sad. And then I thought to myself, just a second. If it was never going to be done until I'm dead, then I have all this time. You know, I there's no hurry. I don't have to rush to get anything done. I, I Suddenly there was time for patience. So all of a sudden I had this um, different relationship with my to-do list. And now it takes quite a lot of um, undone things to make make me impatient with it, which I have been recently. (laughs) In fact, being impatient with my to-do list made it more difficult for me to do this transition. Because I had lots on the list that seemed important to take care of and there were timely things and so on and so forth. But the fact of the matter was a lot of it, the world wasn't letting me get them done in a timely fashion, so. But it takes a lot now for me to get impatient with my to-do list because it's endless. And always life will bring up something. Everything changes, we we know this, and there will always be something to do. Which in a way, from another point of view, it's terrific because that's, (laughs) you know, it's life. So it helped me at that time um, drop a kind of leaning into the future and allowed me to settle again in the present moment and reminded me of a story, a Zen story, which I'll tell you. Um, So there was this great master, there are always great masters, (laughs) and a student came to him or her, uh, and said, what is the most profound teaching of Zen? And evidently there was a blackboard at the time. <laughs> you have to give space for these stories. <laughs> there was a blackboard and the guy, I think it was a good it, it was a guy on the blackboard, wrote attention. And the student said something like, oh, thank you. That's great. There must be something else though, isn't there? And the teacher said, yes, actually there is. Thank you for reminding me. And turned around again and wrote on the board, attention. (laughs) And the student said, oh, I understand. You want me to really get that paying attention is important, but I want something profound, something really deep. And the teacher said, yeah, you're right. You know, I look at, there is, there is something really He turned around and he looked at what he had written, and then he put the word attention on the board. And so what was written on the board was attention, attention, attention. And then the student finally understood. We've been talking about paying attention. The first talk was about why and how that fits. The second talk was about um, how that was in Zen, why we emphasize paying attention. as I was writing this um, talk the other day you could ask you know why do we say that? Why is it so important? What are we paying attention to? Can it really be so that this ordinary mundane world just exactly as it is is spiritual, is a spiritual path. Is this what Zen is suggesting? Can we see in this ordinariness the holy the mystery, in, you know, in Judaism, when I was practicing Judaism when I was young, to think that one of the things I really got from it was that they emphasize that everything is holy. They they have a story. Um, actually, the story is more about a bodhisattva than it is about everything being holy. But they emphasize all the time that everything, 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 this mundane. Uh, this lectern. lectern. Can we see the mystery in this? Can we see the mystery in this cup? In the water, you know, in each other. Come on, I was talking about the other day about Kategory Roshi's chapter, To Live is just to live. He meant it and lived that way. I think his main teaching was um, total devotion. First of all, devotion period was his way, but also complete attention to, to the mundane in life, just the way it is. Selfless, of course, but complete attention to just life the way, nothing special. It's difficult, I think. It's very difficult to drop by our ideas about how we think things should be, especially if we're doing spiritual practice, because partly we get engaged with spiritual practice, imagining that there's something better. I mean, really. We want to find some state of peace. We want to find some state of tranquility, where our hearts are open. You know, where we're feeling connected, where we're better people and so on. And we imagine that if we do, if we work hard enough, at some future time, maybe that will happen for us. I think if we're honest with ourselves in some way, that's why we come to spiritual work, because we think that if we get this understanding of spirituality, it'll be better. you know? But what if someone said, as it does in Zen, remember yesterday, ordinary mind is the way. What if someone said that actually, it really is, like, um, what's her name? Who sang, F- Peggy Lee, F- Fever? Peggy. Peggy Lee. She also sang a song called, um, Is this all there is? You know, I used to think that was a horrible thing. But what if it's right? You know, what if it really is correct, that this is all there is? And that what Zen is asking us to do is to make peace with this. There's not going to be this other realm somehow that's going to be like heaven, right? like we go to zen but actually even though zen doesn't sort of believe in heaven or hell what we're really secretly looking for is the heaven part of zen <laughs> <laughs> you know i mean if we're really honest right but no you know let's let's take that idea away and say as zen does then this actually is the mystery, is found here in the mundane. Suzuki Rashi says this in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, that it's in the imperfection of who we are that we find perfection. He says something like that. I saw you nod. we're looking somewhere else, we're never going to find it. It doesn't exist somewhere else. It exists here. There's a, uh, a wheel and then the wheel column. column. Thank you. The wheel column, and right between the wheel and the wheel column, before the dashboard comes, there's a little notch kind of like in my car. And right there, I have this little sign that says, The gift of life. To remind me, you know, to remind me that this that we are is miraculous it's a gift that we ignore to our own detriment if we're looking for something somewhere else and we ignore the honking of the car behind me who when the light turns green i understand (laughs) (laughs) because they have a to-do list <laughs> and they have places to go people to see things to do and i'm in their way i <laughs> understand i do it sometimes myself when i see the person looking this way i know they're texting <laughs> and i have a thing. A very thing. Because I think it's so incredibly unsafe to do anything on the phone or you know, something like that when you're driving. I have a thing, it's my thing. So if they're looking like this, beep. <laughs> if they're not looking this way, I don't care. <laughs> but if they're looking this way, and I know or if they're if they're like this on there, you know, if I can see them like this, beep. I think <laughs> I think I'm helping them. <laughs> the things we tell ourselves, right? I'm helping. We're asked to pour ourselves into the present moment because the manifestation of the mystery is this. And if we're not here, we miss it. It's not anywhere else. It's in our difficult emotions. It's in our anger. It's in our sense of a lack of self-worth. It's in our judgments. It's in our joy. It's here. The question of Dogen are... Um, are I don't even know how to talk about him. <laughs> These are um, everything. He stand, you know. He's the Japanese person for Soto Zen, and his question, his huge question, was if, if, as I'm saying, um, this very—that's uh, a sentence that I read all the time, and I forgot the ending of it this very mind, thank you. This very mind <laughs> is Buddha. This very event is Buddha. Just as I've been saying over the past couple of days. And his question was, if that's the case, if that's what he was hearing as a student, if that's what he was hearing all the time, and his question was, well, why do we practice? Why do we bother? If everything that I do and all of this stuff is supposed to be Buddha nature, so what? You know, I'm off the hook. But as I've said for the past two days, we also have in Zen. This little dot dot dot, you know, and then it goes and yet. And Dogen found his answer when he went on this incredibly perilous sort of journey across the. Is it the South China Sea? What what is it? The the China Sea? The sea from Japan to China. China. Have you guys ever been in a boat where you can't see land anymore? It's scary. These guys did that. They crossed the sea. They couldn't see land anymore. China and he found his answer. It's and yet. And it's at the end of the Genjokan in a little story. You can look it up. So while I keep saying all of this, uh, this is it. You have to remember the end yet, and yet. But this is it, is our style, is the style of Zen. As we say when we chant, in faith that we are Buddha, that's our attitude. We start from there. Hopefully we meet each other there. We see that in everything, in faith, that we are all Buddha, this is Buddha, body. So how did we get this? So, during these next couple of months, I'm just going to be talking about our style of practice. And I understand that you guys have been really taking it up, which I really appreciate. So that, for example, as you're doing soji, or as you're working in the kitchen, you're really paying attention to what you're doing. You're paying attention to your posture, to your breath, to the carrot, to the broom, to the mat, with respect for all these things that are our life, they are not separate. This is our life, our life of miraculous mystery. And because we have a really long to-do list, we can be patient with our practice. We don't have to think we have to rush into some understanding or some state of mind or some anything. We can still make complete 100% effort without grabbing onto some goal that doesn't exist right now. This is our way, Sam, student. But it comes from a very long lineage. We have a very long lineage So over these next couple of months, I'm gonna be talking about our lineage and our style. And it starts all the way back with Buddha. Now, it is said that this lineage thing is made up, but it doesn't really make any difference. Because even if it's made up, the taste of our way is still there. And it's, you know, it could have been that because China thinks that ancestors are really important, that they set it up this way. I don't know, that may be so. And I do know that at some point, our particular lineage of Soto Zen was almost lost and that, that somewhere along the line of, this is really a really neat story, that somebody who was transmitted in the Rinzai lineage um, was a friend of somebody in the Soto lineage who didn't have anybody to pass on their information to, their transmission to to keep the lineage going. And so this person who was Rinzai line, his friend, who was a friend of this other person, um, the Soto person asked the Rinzai person if they would, because they understood each other, mind to mind, if he would transmit the Soto Zen lineage to somebody in in uh, his I'm sorry that you, I mean, my hands are, (laughs) sorry I have a feeling like I have puppets. (laughs) I should have named them. Anyway, this guy, the guy, asked the Rinzai guy to pass on his lineage, which he did, he did him a wonderful favor. They were friends. So our lineage, our understanding, our way of um, living could be passed on, <coughs> understanding passed on, but anyway, this lineage starts all the way back, we we say, with the Buddha, and the Buddha's first um, transmission, and this is the story, the story goes like this. It's called the fire sermon, you can look it up. The Buddha one day came to his disciples, as he always did, and was going to give a talk. And so he sat down on his seat and arranged himself and then was silent. And it and was kind of buzzing around. And his disciples were trying to understand what that meant and so they were thinking, they were doing all this thinking about it. And the Buddha heard that this was going on, of course, I mean he could hear it. And so he leaned over, and next to him there was a flower, probably a lot of flowers, because he was in nature. You know? So probably Nowadays, you could pick up a brick or some piece of trash. (laughs) It would be the same thing. (laughs) Anyway, he picked up a flower, and he held it up. And he looked at it, and he twirled it around and probably smelled it. Appreciated the flower. And the people were buzzing. (laughs) They were trying to interpret what that meant. They were in their minds, in words, in thought, but there was one disciple, Mahakashapa, who saw what the Buddha was doing, and he smiled. the flower with the Buddha. And the Buddha acknowledged Mahakashapa's insight by saying the following. I possess the true Dharma eye, the marvelous mind of nirvana, the true form of the formless, the subtle Dharma gate, that does not rest on words or letters, but is a special transmission outside of the scriptures. This I entrust to Mahakashapa. I do want to say that this sounds terribly Zen. I mean, I, I, um, I really don't know if Buddha said this exactly, but the intention, You know, the the sense of it, the understanding, is, is, is Buddha. And I have to make a little tangential, this is tangential, but I do need to say this. Even though Zen is very strict, that our understanding is direct understanding, it's not understanding with words, but real insight that a person has themselves. Still, We don't ignore study. Study is really important. It's one of the um, tools that we use. We can't ignore study. I have to say that on the side. So this is the um, book, Transmission of Light. And Makashapa's name actually means drinker of light. It's a great name? So I just wanted to read this short, two things. The treasury of the eye of truth is entrusted to oneself, and therefore you cannot call it Kashapa or shakamuni. There has never been anything given to another. There has never been anything received from another. This is called the truth. Two people just see each other. Old Shakyamuni Buddha is with you all the time. Whatever you are doing, he is conversing and exchanging greetings with you. Never apart from you for a moment. And then the person who compiled this, uh, these stories of our lineage says at the end he has a little saying at the end of each chapter about each person he says know that in the remote recess of the misty valley there is another sacred pine that passes the winter's cold so um We'll be talking about these people and how our lineage came to value practice in the way that we do, which is, as I've been saying over and over again, you know, complete attention to the moment with the understanding that this is we are already Buddha. And yet We need to practice, we need to realize, we need to experience what they're talking about here, which is in the moment, right here, right now. into zazen. When zazen is happening, that's all that's happening. Be present in your body. Don't grab onto thought. Return over and over again to your breath, to sound, sensation. And the same thing is true when you get up from your cushion. Pay attention to whatever you're doing. Soji, kitchen work, Chanting. This is all there is. This is life being lived. And we get to enjoy it. Or we're unhappy. It doesn't really make any difference. Just pay attention. It's really amazing pay attention at all you know i mean really how lucky are we pretty lucky so do you best me too thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the brooklyn zen center Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.